0: Carmichael Casinader is managing partner at Vista Global Capital based in Toronto, and uh, we are glad to have him uh, with us today. Carmichael, welcome to Series A. And uh, why don't we get started right away? You tell us uh, what does uh, Vista do and how you help uh, entrepreneurs raise funds. Sounds good. Hey,
1: Georgia, thank you for having me on this podcast. Really appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, so uh, we're essentially a capital advisory firm. Uh, We're based out of Toronto, Canada. Uh, And uh, we help uh, founders, entrepreneurs in in various sectors raise capital right through kind of pre-seed stage, you know, right up to stage as probably Series B and and beyond. Uh, And, uh, you know, we really work with them to put together their pitch uh, material, the right ways that we engage with uh, venture capital firms, uh, family offices, and the funds, so that they can complete their raise. Um, yeah, so we're, we are work on an advisory basis where we work with the clients.
0: Okay, so let me get this uh, straight. Sure. Uh, say I have a business, a startup, and I I'm uh, seeking a Series A or even seed funding. Uh, so I come to you. And yeah. uh, you, you get me, how do you, you, do you coach me in order to, to be better uh, raising um, funds? What, what do you do exactly? Yeah, so
1: for the first thing we do is make sure that, you know, it's, it's an engagement that we want to take on and, and, you know, it's a high growth opportunity. So, you know, uh, where VCs and, and uh, family offices look for investments typically are, you know, growth firms. So we want to make sure is, there's a high growth potential. We're industry agnostic, but we like to work on sectors where there's, you know, exponential growth. Uh, so we want to make sure that there's the right fit and as long as the right fit uh, what we do is we we'll work with the founder to ensure their pitch material is kind of uh, pitch ready you know to go to kind of uh, the fundraising stage so we make sure there is a you know uh, story storyline there that's uh, uh, you know uh, presentable to the investment community uh, you know it articulates what the problem is they're trying to solve uh, what the company does in a very in very simple terms, uh, you know, size of the, the global market and what piece of that are you targeting, uh, where are you based, uh, who are your customers, who are your competitors, so, you know, the basic things that we you would find in a, in a sort of a business plan and pitch material. So we make sure that's in place. Uh, we kind of circulate that to you know once we have an engagement agreement we formally launch, uh, we kind of go to a few of our contacts to get some feedback, uh, and then we tweak the material after that if needed, and then kind of formally launch by you know engaging with the wider uh, network of, uh, of audience like the class uh, that we work with.
0: And uh, in terms of your company, how do you get paid? Do you get a percentage of the funds raised?
1: Yeah, so it, it really depends on the engagement, but it's a combination of uh, you know, percentage raised uh, based on success. Uh, in some cases, uh, you know, uh, some kind of a retainer fee. Um, so it really is, is a combination of the two, but it, most of our compensation is based on success and then percentage of funds raised, correct. Uh,
0: if you could tell us a little bit about your background and how did you end up uh, doing uh, what you do?
1: Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. So uh, I'm a career corporate commercial banker in, based out of Canada. I work with three large global firms. Uh, I started my career with a bank uh, called RBC, Canadian Bank Global, global Firm. Uh, spent a long time there, you know, 15 plus years. And then uh, then moved to Citigroup, uh, spent about eight years there. Uh, then a couple years at TD, uh, covered multiple sectors, including tech, media, uh, energy, um, real estate. Uh, so I really have a broad kind of experience base uh, on client coverage. But recent roles, I did a lot of coverage on family offices and funds, uh, including PE funds and venture capital funds. Uh, and that kind of became a good part of my network. So we made sense to take that network and launch something on my own which I did you know a little over a year ago and it's kind of turned out to be you know better than I expected it to be um you know we've been able to engage a number of clients on um, their capital raises by you know connecting them to to the network that we have uh that, that basically has capital to deploy um so yeah so that that's kind of how it came about it wasn't specifically planned and kind of grew over time. And uh, I kind of followed my clients and, uh, you know, basically kind of uh, established a more formal organization uh, over time.
0: And did you ever think to raise your own fund? Yeah, so that's,
1: that's something that we are uh, looking into. Um, the thing with launching your first fund is, is track record and you know that's, you know, obviously you know, nice to be able to show that. So I think that will come over time. Uh, at the moment, we are placing funds from, you know, essentially VCs and P firms, family offices. We're not placing our own funds, um, but at some point we will, we will launch a fund and, you know, we'll be able to place our own money and, uh, you know, that's certainly in the works, but we're not there at the moment.
0: So what kind of projects are you working on? If you could uh, tell us some examples of what you have done this year.
1: Sure, yeah. So uh, we are, um, we are, as I said, we're industry agnostic, but there are some natural clusters. So I mean, one of them is, is obviously tech, SaaS companies, uh, anything to do with technology and, and great growth uh, with the recurring revenue pattern. So, you know, we are working with, for example, uh, a workforce management company called uh, Gaia Digits. Uh, they, what they do is uh, they provide Workforce scheduling, analytics, um, and reporting. uh, Essentially, they're a a Canada-based company. Um, So we're helping them in their capital-raising efforts. Um, And, uh, you know, that's one example. Um, So anything tech or fintech-related is is a big part of our client base. Uh, The other one is uh, around medical devices, healthcare, personal care. We have Another cluster there, so we have some firms uh, focused on uh, medical devices in, in renal care, so alternative to dialysis, for example. Um, we have another firm uh, that produces a consumer product called Dental Wick, essentially is a substitute for a dental implant that's direct to consumer uh, at a much lower cost than what you would, you know, purchase at, at the dentist. Uh, it's, it's sort of a mass market product and that's an early stage company. So these companies have typically they have a patent registered and in some cases they have the regulatory pathway clear like FDA clearance and, and they're going to market and kind of raising funds for that. Uh, and the other couple of clusters would be uh, media. When I say media, film finance is, is actually a big chunk of what we do. Uh, both on the debt side, senior lending as well as equity raises. So these are independent films Uh, there's right now there's a content crisis uh, everywhere in terms from Netflix to all the other streamers. um, And, you know, all the other uh, distribution points are looking for content that's produced. So there's, there's a gap there. So there's a lot of independent producers trying to finance their films. And again, we can't take on all the projects, but we do like to get involved at the later stage of, of film production, and we're able to find funding for them, largely on the debt side uh, for these projects. Uh, and then, kind of the last area is real estate. Uh, you know, we you know we do real estate uh, debt finance, and uh, we also do warehouse facilities for lending companies. Uh, so we we'll looked at a few of those. Um, that's, that's been kind of uh, fairly successful as well. So. Those are some of the clusters of kind of clusters of clients we've uh, you know engaged with over the recent past.
0: So, Carmichael, would you say you focus mostly into debt uh, deals or equity deals?
1: It's both. Uh, it depends on the sector. So, uh, technology and uh, healthcare, medical devices is all being on the equity side. Uh, Where we focus on debt is is media. So the film deals are mostly uh, debt side, although we have looked at some gap equity there as well, but it's mostly on on the debt side. Uh, And real estate has been on the debt side as well. So, you know, we do both, but uh, you know, where it makes sense, uh, you know, uh, for us to do debt, it would be media and real estate, I would say is is the debt piece of the remainder is equity
0: so for debt financing do you work with banks
1: yeah so we work with both banks and credit funds uh which cover the secondary market and we work with alternate lenders uh there are many that focus on you know the various sectors um and uh, we find that you know traditional banks are ne- not necessarily uh the right fit for some of these uh more uh riskier aggressive type structures and uh some of the debt funds are more um, equipped to deal with the toughest of structures we're finding, particularly for media um, and some of the real estate deals.
0: Do you, do you do any private equity deals?
1: We have looked at a few uh, in terms of kind of a secondary buyout kind of uh, situation. Uh, that's not a big part of what we do, but we do have some contacts into private equity and you know, we have looked at uh, some transactions Uh, That would be an area that will continue to grow over time, particularly after uh, some of our initial uh, VC deals for earlier stage companies kind of mature and and they're looking for a secondary liquidity opportunity, then I think the the PE deals would make more sense. Uh, But we are engaged in that process, but we're less active there.
0: For the movies that you mentioned, uh, you have yeah. con- contacts in Hollywood.
1: Yeah, uh, I would. Yeah, so a lot of them are, you know, some are based in in Los Angeles, so they're you know Hollywood based. They're not the big Hollywood producers. We're talking about independent film. So these are films with sort of typical budget of you know sort of ten million or so, somewhere in that range, sometimes smaller. Um, so these are independent producers who have uh, who are basically the IP holders of the film. Uh, and they're essentially looking to, you know, raise capital, both debt and equity. So in many cases, they have some of the equity component done. Uh, they're looking for a senior lender to finance the debt piece, and that's financed typically against what's called pre-sales. So there's usually a sales agent who goes and markets the film. Uh, these pre-sales agreements are signed with the minimum guarantee purchased by a distributor. And once you have that, it's, it's sort of You know, lending bridge to um, uh, the sales uh, is is what the the debt piece is, and then what what occurs is uh, the the producer essentially takes that debt and equity, completes the film, and uh, you know completes the sale, and that that kind of ends the loop. So that's uh, how that works. Yeah.
0: Do they want to sell to Netflix? Well, they do what they don't. So the
1: there are some that want to exit that way. The thing with selling to some of the streaming companies is that you you abdicate your rights in perpetuity. So they, they essentially buy out the film, and all future cash cash flows in perpetuity is bought out. So that's the downside. The upside is yeah, it's easy. You know, you're pretty much done once you sell. You're done. Uh, you know, you can finance it very easily once you know Netflix says you know, they're going to be a buyer. Um, so there's pros and cons. Uh, it, typically, producers like to delay the sale uh, through the production process because the value of your film, the present value, increases as you move through the production cycle and come closer to completion.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, what kind of uh, money? How much money do you usually help your uh, clients raise? I mean, what ballpark figures?
1: Yeah, so you know, we like to get involved in engagements. I mean, our speed spot is somewhere between four or five million, to right up to thirty million. But for equity raises, uh, for you know, debt raises could be larger than that. Um, but that's kind of our range, anywhere from four to thirty million, I would say, in the deals we've kind of looked at. We would look at smaller deals on occasion. Uh, And obviously we would look at larger transactions as well, but that's where most of our transactions kind of fall uh, in that kind of range.
0: And do you have clients from all over the world?
1: Yeah, in fact, so you know, we're based in Toronto, but we have very few clients in Canada. Most of our clients are outside of Canada. So we have clients in the US, uh, in UK, uh, Europe. Uh, We've got a couple from Asia uh, and India specifically. Um, So, you know, yeah, we have global clients, uh, you know, we're trying to be a global firm uh, that, you know, we use our location in Toronto as as a good spot to kind of pivot um, and kind of capture the global market.
0: So how do you source your uh, deal flow?
1: Yeah, so most of the deals come from kind of referrals of people we know, or you know, they reach out to us directly, you know, through you know, they've seen seen our uh, kind of material, either they stumble on our website or, or LinkedIn, and they reach out to us. Uh, you know, that's a secondary source, uh, but I would say it's from you know people we know and people we know who can refer. Uh, deals to us. Um, So third parties as well. So yeah, it's a mix. It's a mix.
0: Uh, Tell us a little bit about the venture capital deals that you have recently done. Uh, The mechanics of them.
1: Sorry, the second part of the question?
0: The mechanics. Of the mechanics.
1: Okay. So um, yeah. So, you know, In terms of the equity raises, right? Uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, typical it, it seed to, let's say pre-seed to seed stage uh, process where in many cases there is some kind of revenue, uh, in other cases there isn't. Um, so we're looking at uh, typically uh, a convertible note structure or straight equity uh, coming into, uh, into the transaction. Uh, where the VCs you know, place the money that way. There's typically a board seat. Uh, in most cases, they're not looking for control, but they're looking to influence the direction of the company and uh, occupy a board seat. Uh, and the exit is typically through uh, a secondary kind of uh, investment uh, or uh, in some cases, you know, they're looking at an IPO uh, of an affiliate or a parent company. And uh, or or a competitor or a strategic investor coming in, uh, you know, it's kind of three to five years uh, down the road. So in terms of mechanics, we're looking at kind of straight equity or convertible convertible note as another option, uh, depending on the company and and where it makes sense. Uh, I don't know if that specifically answers your question, but yeah.
0: Yes, of course. And uh, how about the family offices that that you pitch your deals? how, uh, if you could uh, explain how they work uh, typically, I mean.
1: Yeah, so the family offices, I mean, in many, many cases, they're not that different from, you know, venture capital firms. I mean, they, Sometimes they have smaller uh, pools of capital and sometimes it's actually larger pools of capital than some funds. Um, they are, uh, you know, as risk averse in many cases, uh, many of them have, sectoral uh, kind of investment teams that sometimes align with the families uh, and how the family created wealth and that's kind of their core business. Uh, So, you know, that could be kind of the connection. Uh, In many cases, they're not looking to lead. Uh, They like to be, you know, part of the syndicate. They don't want to lead. Uh, There are cases where they want to lead. Uh, but in many cases, uh, they want to be a participant, and you know there are other family offices uh, part of the tran- transaction and the syndicate, and uh, you know they want to be a participant. Um, so I would say, you know, that in terms of deal origination, due diligence, uh, they're very, you know, quite formalized, uh, especially the larger family offices, and and they look and feel more like institutional investor. Um, kind of like an angel investor, for example. Um, so, you know, uh, there is a lot of rigor in terms of how they uh, source the deal flow and do their due diligence.
0: And are are they hungry for new deals? Do they ask you what new and uh, hot investment you have to, to show them?
1: Yeah, actually now, particularly at the moment, uh, you know, most, most of the kind of the deal flow uh, is been going to the family offices in comparison to the VCs. I think a lot of VCs were um, sitting on transactions through the end of last year and they weren't quite sure what to do. And they're, they're, there's suddenly this flood of transactions in Q1. Uh, many are very busy. They're not necessarily looking at new transactions. They're doing follow-on rounds for their own um, kind of uh, firms they have already invested in. Um, so family offices have been you know, kind of the go-to um, uh, spots for, for capital, I would say you know, in, in this Q1 of this year. Um, so yeah they've been pretty active in, in, in this uh, in this sector uh, and they are looking for new transactions. so there's there's quite a bit of capital there in comparison to like uh, you know, VC uh, funds uh, mm-hmm. at the moment.
0: And you also mentioned the angels. Uh, do you have a network of business angels that uh, you show them your deals as well?
1: Yeah, so we have a handful. I wouldn't say it's a big network that's uh, you know a smaller part of our network. Uh, there are lots of angel lists and and sort of various initiatives that are more geography focused. So there's you know, Angel List in Toronto, there's, you know, there's certainly number of, of those groups in Silicon Valley and all over the US and globally. Uh, so we know a handful of them and, and we know the type of transactions they, they like to get involved in. But I wouldn't say that that's a big part of what we do, but uh, you know, we do have some contacts there as well.
0: So you said your clients are uh, all over the world, but how about the funding sources, uh, family offices and uh, venture capitals, are they based in your network in Co- Toronto or are, are they also all over the place?
1: Yeah, they are global. So uh, most of our funders are, I would say, US and Canada, uh, and to some extent the UK uh and you know we have some contacts in continental europe as well but i would say you know definitely they're they're not just in canada they're they're global um you know that you have to be because you know the best source of capital could you know may not be where the client is so yeah you have to be uh, looking outside your media network
0: has the situation with the pandemic been good for business or bad for business
1: yeah, that's that's an interesting question, George. I mean, yeah. So um, it's it's not so good that you know people are cautious and asking you know more questions around. Well, how does this business survive the pandemic, and you know, will the numbers be the same? And, you know, those kinds of questions, and those are valid questions. Um, but it's good from a perspective of. You can actually get stuff done uh, more quickly virtually because you can book your appointments virtually, everything's done virtually. You can actually close an entire transaction uh, virtually um, and that is possible. Uh, It wasn't quite possible before. Uh, It it does make due diligence harder uh, in many cases uh, because the physical verification of a transaction and, and people is, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of value in that and uh, not everyone is comfortable going A to Z uh, in a virtual environment, but it is what it is. We have to deal with it. And I would say overall it's, it's been, you know, it's been somewhat the same, uh, neutral, I would say, right? You we weigh the pros on the cons and on average, I think it's, it's, it's about the same. But I think uh, there's more of an appetite to do things virtually and move ahead faster. Um, so, but time will tell. I think through this quarter and the next quarter, we'll know um, the actual effects of the pandemic on, on capital raising you know, more, more clearly.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of the legal... Uh... Uh, stuff in uh, the deals that you do for example uh, term sheets and uh, contracts do you uh, help the entrepreneurs with that or do you work with a legal uh, entity to do that tell us about yeah that. yeah absolutely
1: so i mean we're working with the entrepreneur right from you know kind of the inception off their sort of pitch right up to the closing. So that includes the term sheet. So we definitely advise them on the term sheet. Uh, you know, we benchmark them, benchmark them against, you know, other term sheets that we've seen uh, in that industry and, and size of transaction. So, you know, we do advise them on, on the structure of the transaction, uh, the cap structure, the equity being offered, uh, all those things. Uh, we work with their counsel as well uh, from a business perspective, and you know, obviously uh, there is legal counsel involved when there's a term sheet representing their client. Uh, you know, we don't sort of substitute that in any way, so we do get law firms involved. Uh, if the client doesn't have a law firm to engage, then we help them engage with one. And we have a network of lawyers we work with as well. Uh, but yeah, we work with them to ensure that, you know, uh, the best economics are reflected in the term sheet um, for the transaction. And it's, it's priced right. And, uh, you know, it, the, the terms are appropriate for uh, the amount of capital being raised.
0: How do you advise the entrepreneurs if uh, the terms in the term sheet are really hard to accept?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really depends on them, too. I mean, we had one uh, in December, I think. Um, it, it was uh, the company uh, you know, received a term sheet uh, from, uh, actually it was a P firm, um, and they didn't like some of the terms, so they didn't like the fee structure, they didn't like the, the um uh, the percentage equity being sought, there were a number of things that they didn't like about it. Uh, we kind of talked through it, and uh, and and we decided that that wasn't the best fit uh, for that company. It wasn't like the, it wasn't that the the, the offer was uh, not good. It was a good offer, but it wasn't the right fit. Uh, so we decided not to take on that uh, particular offer, and we passed on it. Uh, and we supported the founder on that offer on, on their decision. Uh, and now we're engaging with two other funds that are looking at that same opportunity, um, probably under better terms. And, you know, we hope to get a better outcome for them over the next uh, three to, you know, three, to four months or so. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And in, in terms of the valuation of a company uh, that seeks uh, funding, how, uh, are, are you the negotiator between the fund, the and the, the the source of the funds?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, again, we, we try to play the role of a conduit and try to add value. So we, we, we're fair. Uh, we want to make sure that the the founder, uh, the company's getting a fair valuation, um, but, you know, certainly we want to ensure that, their expectations are within market um, in terms of, you know, a value for a company. Similar size, stage, industry, growth potential, uh, all of that, all of those things in the mix um, that the valuation is fair. So uh, yeah, so the answer is yes, you know, we we advise them. Um, But, you know, certainly the, the funding party has a view and, you know, they have their own benchmarks um, so, you know, we work with them to understand, to ensure that, you know, there, there's kind of fairness on both sides and we're being realistic.
0: Very nice. Uh, Carmichael, anything else you would like to share with us about your uh, future plans for this year?
1: Yeah, so I, I think this, this is turning out to be a very interesting year. We hope to close a lot of transactions. We hope to engage with, with new Founders, and uh, you know, obviously, we'd love to connect with uh, you know VCs and other funders as well, family offices, uh, to add to our network. Um, you know, we you know we have a number of transactions coming down our pipeline at any given time, so uh, we love to connect with those parties as well. Um, and yeah, we hope that this year turns out to be a record-breaking year for uh, for companies raising capital, and uh, we hope to play an important part of, in that process.
0: Is every year a record year?
1: <laughs> I <laughs> think we, we always hope that, right? <laughs> uh, but I think uh, what's different this year is, you know, again, it depends on how uh, the pandemic momentum kind of ends, but if it goes in the right direction, the vaccine rollout turns out to be, you know, somewhat on target um, and uh, there's adequate immunity and, and economies rebound. There is a lot of capital sitting on the sidelines uh, waiting to be deployed. So that has to go somewhere and that's looking for yield. Uh, and that's look, you know, obviously they're looking for transactions. So, um, you know, I would expect that that would be a robust uh, investing cycle that will occur. Uh, hopefully in this year, if it doesn't happen this year, probably next year. So,
0: yeah. excellent so carmichael thank you for sharing your insights with our audience i will make sure to include your contact information uh, in the show notes so that uh, someone that's listening may be able to contact you for uh, advice or uh, seek funding uh, thank you very much for doing this and i'll catch you later
1: thank you george pleasure talking you. to you bye-bye